Hey, stargazers, and welcome back to the Birth Chart Please podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Ash. I am a lifestyle writer. I'm an astrologer, a podcast host, and the most annoying girl at every karaoke bar you've ever been to. I hope you've all been good since we took a little time off. I appreciate those of you who love the podcast so much. So I'm excited for today's episode. A lot has happened since the last time we talked. If anyone here is a Swifty, you already know the entire world is talking all about Lavender Haze. We're probably going to get into the astrology of that during the culture scope. We're also going to look at Aquarius season. Aquarius season, a few of the big transits have already passed us. So we'll talk about that retroactive energy and then what is set for the rest of Aquarius season. And then we'll just cover all sorts of fun stuff. Anything I want to talk about really. We're going to keep it casual today and see where the stars take us. So for now, let's talk about Aquarius season. Let's get a lay of the land. Truthfully, a few big transits have already happened. Um, There aren't that many moves this Aquarius season. They're all pretty subtle and subtlety is the name of the game. So January 20th kicked off with the sun entering Aquarius, the very next day on the 21st, there was a new moon in Aquarius. Then on the 22nd, Uranus, the rebel change maker, went direct in Taurus, kicking off a period of time known as All Planets Direct that lasts until April 21st. We'll talk about that. The things that are coming up, of course, Venus entered Pisces yesterday. We're going to talk about how that energy will carry through to Valentine's Day and a little bit beyond. Then the full moon in Leo will be on February 5th. And finally, February 11th, Mercury will enter Aquarius. So again, a few quick hits. A few of them have already happened. So we're going to talk about how Aquarius season got set up and what is to come. So let's talk about the vibe of this Aquarius season. Kicked off on January 20th with the new moon in Aquarius on the 21st, sun entering Aquarius on the 20th, of course. How did we start this off? The vibe is very subtle right now. It's about kind of moving in silence, really making deliberate choices for your future. New moons, always new beginnings, fresh starts, new revelations, the moon cycle about 28 days every month or so going through these periods of reflection and adjustment. It's important to see new moons as that. They're minor adjustments. Moon cycles, let's think about the moon and its relationship to cancer. Uh, Cancer gets called very moody. They're always switching up how they feel. Um, They're always kind of fading in and keeping things under the surface and not always telling you what's on their mind because of how often the mood changes. These lunar cycles, the new moon to the full moon, these 28-day cycles, they're very similar. They're not these like grand, big moments. They are, um, they're tune-ups along the way, right? So when you start to realize, like, obviously the moon cycles are significant, but they're, they're better for short-term adjustments on the way to a longer-term plan. When you realize that, you really learn how to harness their energy better. Now, I know I've hammered it into your guys' heads by now, but when we look at lunar cycles, we're also looking at you know the short-term 28 days, but also how they connect to each other. 
So when we're looking at the new moon in Aquarius on the 21st, which has already happened, but you can look retrospectively and kind of see what was at play a few days ago. You're also going to want to think about the full moon in Aquarius from 2022. That was August 11th. This is a opposition kind of energy full moon. So new moons are clarity. So think about what you were uh, thinking about, what you were worrying over, uh, what had a lot of your attention in the energy of Aquarius last August, and you'll be having a fresh start in that capacity thanks to this new moon. Now, this new moon also formed a very uh, lucky auspicious sextile to Jupiter and Aries, giving us a lot of motivation to move forward. Such a pleasant energy, especially after Mars and Mercury finally went direct. We're not feeling that spinning dizziness, that varied feeling like we're being pulled in every direction. We can really focus on taking action and innovating and really um, taking risks and kind of going with what the universe has in store. It's more about following your passion as opposed to doing things perfectly right now. Um, if you guys will remember, Jupiter enters Taurus in May. That's when it'll be more about putting down the roots, uh, really settling in for the long haul. But right now we're really rewarding and focusing on following your fire and carving your own path. So after that, the 22nd, boom, we had a lot of energy early on. Uranus went direct in Taurus. Uranus retrograde has been a collective energy, a feeling like we're all under pressure, that we have to um, do things we don't want to do. Uh, it's been there for about five months. And so this is about reflecting on growth and patterns in the long haul. Uranus is the rebel. It's how we really... Um, make things our own outside of society's expectations. And because Taurus rules money and value, this has been really affecting our finances, our careers. We've been feeling like we have to give more of ourselves that we don't want to. And so with Uranus going direct, a few things happen. One, we feel like we have permission to do things our own way again, moving with that energy of Aquarius but also this kicks off a period known as all planets direct, where we have no retrograde planets in the sky. Now, what does this mean? If you don't have any retrograde planets in your birth chart, this is awesome. It means that things are pretty much exactly what they seem. We feel like all the planets are moving forward in harmony together. There isn't as much question as to how they're communicating with one another. And this energy will stay this way until April 21st. So you've got plenty of time to really put some things in motion. Um, and just a few days after that, yesterday, Venus entered Pisces. So Venus and Pisces is a great energy. Venus is exalted in Pisces. It feels so good here, so dreamy, so loving, so romantic. It's a great time to make art. It's a great time to indulge, to fall in love, to slip into... Um, the delusional girl energy for just a bit. It's also very romantic leading up to Valentine's Day. So we love a Venus and Pisces moment. And when I say delusional, I do mean a little delusional because remember, Saturn is lurking just around the corner, ready to slip into Pisces any moment. That's happening in March. 
That means anyone with their Saturn in Aquarius is almost done with their Saturn return. We're almost done. It's going to be great. All right. (laughs) Um, So those are the transits that have already happened. Like I said, pretty fast start to the month. And then we have a lot of quiet, a lot of quiet energy until February 5th with the full moon in Leo. So the full moon in Leo on the 5th is going to be a fiery one, just like we do with the new moon. We look at the corresponding moon for the last time. So with the full moon in Leo, you're going to look at the new moon in Leo back in 2022, July 28th. What were you doing at the end of July? What was having you all passionate and fired up? What were you feeling prideful about? That energy is going to come to some fullness during the full moon in Leo. Now, this one, pretty straightforward. Anytime there's a full moon, the sun is opposition the moon. We feel that pull. We feel that dissonance between the two. And then for this full moon, the moon will be sextile Mars and will be square Uranus. So we have a very positive energy with the planet of passion, drive. We have a little bit of tension with the planet of rebellion. So might be feeling a bit pulled in two different directions. It really is feeling like you're going to have to decide to put yourself first. How are you deciding what lights you up? Um, You're feeling like you can solve a lot of problems. You're feeling like you can take that action. You're feeling very equipped. And there's um, a lot of potential to maybe like feel hurt by people, okay? Um, If you are someone who has had a a relationship that's been a little one-sided. You might feel that illusion shattering. Um, You might be seeing someone act very individualistic and very selfishly. Uh, You need to remind yourself that relationships that take more than they give are not worth your time and pour your energy and your passion and your devotion into those things that Um, feed the better parts of you, that sextile to Mars energy. So again, it's kind of about taking those rose-colored glasses off and reinvesting in yourself. And then finally, February 11th, Mercury enters Aquarius. This is just a good energy, especially ahead of Saturn leaving Aquarius. We're feeling like it's easier to collect our thoughts. We're feeling more inspired by unconventional ideas. We feel more likely to rebel. We're embracing things from a new perspective. We're looking forward and we're feeling very optimistic about the future. Mercury, again, is how we take in information and communicate it back. When Mercury is in Aquarius, we're hungry for this like new knowledge, new experiences, new people. And as we can just like feel Saturn finally getting off of Aquarius, we're feeling even more motivated. There's this light at the end of the tunnel and we're feeling very optimistic. So that is, that's kind of the vibe for Aquarius season. A lot happening below the surface, a lot rumbling below the surface. Um, It kind of feels like the calm before the storm and depending on how Aquarius heavy your chart is, you're probably feeling very relieved that things are finally feeling like they're getting unstuck. I don't really know how better to describe it. We're getting unstuck this Aquarius season. We're going to grease the wheels. We're going to pull ourselves out of the mud and we're really going to start 
dragging ourselves towards the finish line. We're doing it. Okay. Um, and as you just keep doing that, you're going to get more motivated. Uh, think of it like coming out of hibernation. Aquarius is kind of on that last, last energy ahead of spring. So shake off the cobwebs, dust off the snow and get ready to seize the day and really take control of things. All right, and that is the astrology corner. So if you are the kind of person who doesn't like to stick around for the culture scope, if you're not a big Taylor Swift fan, especially after the Lavender Haze MV dropped, you can go ahead and head out. We will see you next time. I don't want to say next week because who knows when we'll record again. Um, I'm just kidding, guys. I promise I'm going to get better about this. I love how much you guys love the podcast. So, okay, culture scope. Here's the deal. I have Taylor Swift and nothing else. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Lavender Haze. And then I'm going to see if there's anything else we want to chit chat about. But let's get started. Okay, so let's talk about the video, the release, the astro timing of it all. Bang, bang, boom. So there's a lot of... <laughs> so this music video, she had it in the vault for a minute. Essentially... Uh, what a lot of people said and a lot of people, myself included, predicted is that she wouldn't be releasing this music video until Antihero stopped performing so well on Billboard. And sure enough, um, 13 weeks, so funny how the numbers line up for her, 13 weeks after uh, it started, it kind of started slowing down. And so Taylor announced Lavender Haze. So a few things with the announcement. She announced on Twitter that on the 26th yesterday that she would be releasing the video at midnight. Uh, that was the day Venus entered Pisces. Venus and Pisces, very good energy for artistic collaborations, releases, projects. Again, Venus is exalted in Pisces. Venus is the planet of romance and love, but also beauty, art, and aesthetics. Pisces, very dreamy, hazy sign. Lavender Haze, soup's cute. Um, I think the timing of the anti-hero thing uh, coinciding with Venus and Pisces was like a super pleasant surprise for her. There are a lot of different transits that I think she could have timed this with, and this one just so, so perfect. Um, Pisces is also the sign of drugs. So Taylor Swift, stoner era. We love that. Um, so that's kind of the astro energy of this release, right? Very dreamy, very in the void. We're feeling like we're floating in space. And so the art and the vibe of the music video is just so good. So funny enough, guess who was announcing a tour? A little, little solo tour date. Uh, that's right. Uh, John Mayer. Um, <laughs> announced on Twitter that he's like, I'm going on tour. Tell your mom. She'll be really excited. Um, tell your dirtbag older brother who learned guitar by listening to, I want to run through the halls of my school. First, okay, really quick. First red flag about John Mayer is the fact that he wants to willingly go back to high school. <laughs> Woof. Why is that, John? Is that because that's where all the teenage girls are? Okay, allegedly, Jesus. All right, I'm Anyway, um, John Mayer on Twitter announced, I'm going on tour. And then Taylor Swift, like 10 minutes later, was like, 
lavender haze envy Eh. what i think is really funny is like she doesn't give a shit about him she really doesn't i think she was going to release this with venus and pisces anyway it's just too good of a transit but again it is so fucking funny how all of these tiny coincidences lined up perfectly for the release of this video um, I've said it on my TikTok. I'll say it here. I think she is her own astrologer at this point. We have a long history of her referencing her sign, um, talking about numerology. The number 13 goes as far back as her first album. So just really cool to see it continue to play such a major role in her releases. So now we're going to talk about the symbols in the music video. We're going to be breaking down lyrics, connections, all that good stuff. I, I don't know how long this is going to take. Settle in. This is Taylor Swift University 101 music video analysis. If you are new here, welcome. Uh, the syllabus, we will be <laughs> deconstructing the astrology, colors, flowers, other lyrical references. And just for everyone's reference, I firmly believe Taylor Swift is bisexual. Um, that's how I'm going to analyze it. Uh, I myself am bisexual. I, I feel as though she is a bisexual queen and I'm firmly in that camp. So just the perspective. Let's jump into the music video though. Lavender Haze, obviously the first couple things we want to talk about. Lavender, it's a purple color, color associated with queerness. The haze she references a lot of times in her lyrics. Somewhere in the haze, I feel I've been betrayed. So the haze is escapism for her. Again, very fitting that this is all happening during Pisces season. Um, when it works, it works. She is wearing maroon lipstick in the video. And if you look in the video during the alarm clock scene, there is in fact incense burning on the table. So we have some obvious callbacks to maroon, to the muse of maroon possibly. Um, and that's kind of how we set the scene. Then we have the mastermind record, which shows the constellations of Sagittarius and Pisces. Again, Venus and Pisces with the release of this mastermind. She's letting us know, I fucking know astrology and I'm really good at it. Uh, you gotta also point out she is a Sagittarius. Joe Alwyn is a Pisces. So nice little nod there as well. Um, and then just kind of getting into some other references, the koi fish, the koi fish is the big one. So many connections with the koi fish. The first being speak now Taylor's version. There are clips and videos of her, uh, with the guitar, with the koi fish on it from that era. There's also videos of, um, her smashing the koi fish guitar. Um, but what I think is really interesting about the koi fish is that she did an interview once where she said that, you know, dating her is like living in a fishbowl and you have to be ready to jump into the fishbowl and have everyone watch you. So when I see the koi fish, when I see koi fish in space, something that's supposed to feel infinite and um, like you can't ever reach the, the ends of space to see fish there, it's kind of like an oxymoron, like the fish are trapped in the infiniteness of possibility um, it really says that like, you know, you know, she's a world famous pop star, but she can never be a normal person. Her relationship can never be normal because of that. 
um, whether it was intentional or not, the media has presented her as the girl who writes love songs. And so anyone she dates is under scrutiny. Gotta love that connection. I do think this is also a nod to Speak Now Taylor's version, which is, you know, exciting, obviously. Uh, fun little Easter egg, number 13 over Nashville on the forecast at midnight. Just a tiny little call to, um, you know, her love of the number 13. Okay, so here's where we start getting a little convoluted. Um, the flowers in the meadow scene. Not all of those flowers are lavender. And why does that matter? Well, because I'm annoying and I have an English degree and flowers mean things. <laughs> so I took to TikTok. I said, girlies, what are these flowers? They're not all lavender. Uh, I suspected hyacinths or bluebells, but I don't believe either of those are correct. Um, I got a lot of delphinium and larkspur. And um, some people said snapdragons. And so we're going we're gonna to go into what those three mean, mostly the first two. Okay, so we know that lavender is associated with peace, serenity. Uh, we often hear Taylor talk about not being able to give people peace in relationships through her lyrics. So the lavender haze being a peaceful dream world of their creation that maybe isn't quite in reality, but is still an escape. It's kind of the overarching theme. Now, if we have Larkspur and Delphinium in the mix. What does that mean? She's crawling towards the TV that she eventually pulls open and jumps into the dream world. So Larkspur symbolizes open hearts, romantic feelings. Uh, pink can represent fickleness, but overall it's sort of a new opportunity and an openness to um, experiencing joy and all that life kind of has to offer. Um, and then delphinium is cheerfulness, goodwill. It's also protection. It's another one of really feeling that that spark with something new. And delphiniums are the official birth flower for July. Um, if you'll remember, Taylor Swift did spend quite a few July weekends with a certain supermodel that she was spotted kissing at a certain 1975 concert. I don't think this song is about a single muse. I really don't think any of the songs on Midnight's are about a single muse. I think this is a very creative um, display of like how she experiences the evolution of her sexuality, how she's kind of um, learned from the relationships and the experiences she's had and how they made her feel collectively. Um, that's kind of my interpretation of this and all of it to kind of say, I know what I'm about. That's for me to figure out and you guys to speculate. Uh, she goes to sleep at the end of the video on a cloud in the lavender haze, kind of tucking herself away from the world, hiding herself. So that's just kind of the overall vibe we get in the video. Uh, I really liked it. Other people have pointed out the flower fields look very similar to our song. Um, Bejeweled is referenced quite a lot. The guitar smashing, like we mentioned, the Bejeweled table. 
So a lot of Easter eggs within the video, I haven't even begun to touch all of them, but that's just kind of uh, where I landed with all of my, my thoughts. Just kidding. We have to talk about her feet. God, listen, guys, I only recently came to the realization that Taylor talks about her feet a lot and it's everywhere. Once you start seeing, it's kind of like Quentin Tarantino's movies. Fun fact. Quentin Tarantino puts feet in a lot of his stuff too. And once you start seeing it, you can't unsee it. But we're going to talk about shoes, feet, and how they represent freedom in the Taylor Swift universe. So uh, if you follow me on TikTok, you've heard this spiel before. So strap on in. We're going to go a little in depth. Shoes symbolize a few things struggle to fit in or perform to a certain feminine beauty standard or ideal, which I think people are like, sometimes on TikTok, people are like, what are you talking about? Taylor Swift is like six feet tall and all legs and a super hot blonde. Yeah. Um, but if she's not straight, then she would have difficulty fitting into a heteronormative society. So let's think below the surface of people's looks for a second. Um, you know, just saying there are possibilities for how this could be manifesting itself. Shoes symbolize wealth and status and money. Bare feet or not wearing shoes symbolize your true authentic self. So we, we get this all the way back to fearless. You belong with me. She wears high heels. I wear sneakers. This one's pretty straightforward. She's the all-American beauty ideal, and I, I'm not like other girls. I wear sneakers. I'm one of the guys. Uh, Taylor's struggling with her femininity and comparing herself to other girls. Very common around that age. In red, we get a juxtaposition of that with Begin Again. He didn't like it when I wore high heels, but I do. So just between those albums, we see Taylor um, making compromises. She was the girl who wore the sneakers. Now she's forcing herself into the high heels to try to put on a show to try to fit in. Um, you know, he didn't like it when I wore them. Might suggest, you know, he liked the old me sneakers, Taylor. Then in I Bet You Think About Me, we have shoes being compared to money. I Bet You Think About Me in your house with your organic shoes and your million-dollar couch. So we get this idea that shoes represent putting on different personas for people. We get a similar vibe in Mirror Ball where she says she's spinning on the tightrope, she's teetering in the heels. Again, she's trying to get people to pay attention to her, but she's feeling unstable. Um, we get it again in Reputation, New Year's Day. There's glitter on the floor after the party, girls carrying their shoes down in the lobby. Now, this is interesting because it's not explicitly said like feet or bare feet like um, she does in other songs, like we'll get into, but carrying their shoes implies barefoot. So it also means, you know, in New Year's Day, after the party, everyone, you know, showed up in these nice gowns and their nice shoes and they're leaving barefoot. They're leaving their authentic selves because they were like able to be open with their friends. They were able to let loose and be themselves. And then we get cowboy like me with your boots beneath my bed forever is the sweetest con. A con is when you pull someone something over on someone, you, you trick them, you, you know, um, you pull a ruse, so forever is the sweetest con, this idea that forever can't last. Um, and then Midnight's, Bejeweled walking all over my peace of mind and the shoes I gave you as a present, giving someone 
your vulnerability symbolically and having them walk all over it, um, having someone use your vulnerability against you, and then Maroon laughing with my feet in your lap, the one I was dancing with in New York, no shoes, which reminds me of dress, which reminds me of dancing with our hands tied. So that's kind of like the shoe of it all. Um, it's interesting that shoes are being used as a symbol of changing your appearance, changing your persona, um, and feeling restricted, especially when you consider how she associates being barefoot with feeling free. Um, the delicate music video, she's literally dancing around New York barefoot and nobody can see her because she's taken her shoes off and she can just be herself. And then at the start of this music video, Lavender Haze, the first shot is her feet. For free? For free? Sheesh, Taylor, not for free, not anymore. Um, But then also it's interesting to note when the lavender haze first starts pouring out from under the bed and it's visible, her bare feet are in frame, which again is to say that she feels free. She feels like she can be herself. She can be her authentic self in the lavender haze, even if the lavender haze isn't reality, right? So just an interesting juxtaposition, little things to think about. Yeah. Okay. So that's it for the Taylor Swift portion of it all. If you are still listening, thank you. Thank you. The the deeply annoying English graduate in me thanks you. Um, and now a fun, fun, I don't know if fun's the word, an update from a previous culture scope. We talked about a few episodes ago, TJ Holmes and Amy Robach, GMA3 anchors, both married, having a little affair, getting caught in broad daylight, 30 photos him like grabbing her butt, them like laughing together, like vacationing together. And there are rumors confirmed by TMZ, which are now being reported other places that both of them, after being off the air for two months in the wake of this whole scandal, both of their partners filing for a divorce, it coming out that TJ was seeing other women other than Amy, um, all of this, they're both out. They're out at GMA. They're not going to get their jobs back. A lot of people say that the TJ thing was not surprising, but a lot of people are surprised that Amy's getting canned. She was relatively quiet in the wake of all this. Um, she wasn't cheating with like a ton of other people, just the one. But this is like a big, big moment. Um, Amy's team's not happy about it. Sounds like they're going to I don't, it's all in speculation right now. It's not even confirmed that they're out, but this just goes like, it's crazy. These two people were like so successful and married and like they blew it all up. They're both getting divorces. They're both losing their, like, oh my God. Um, woof. You know, I don't even know what to say other than, oh my God, oh my God, that's the update. Um, 10 years of marriage. Uh, TJ was married to his wife for 10 years. Um, so was Robach 10 years. And neither of the other spouses knew about the affair. 
I've said it once, I'll say it again, cheaters never prosper, cheaters never win. You will get caught, and if you don't get caught, you will be endlessly consumed by your own guilt. Um, so that's that's an update on that. This I think this is our first culture scope corner update. This is the podcast has been going on long enough that we're seeing things kind of matriculate. So um yeah, there's that that scandal update. Okay, and then this final part is like very particular. It's for those of you who watched The Traders um, and you're finished with it. So if you don't care and you still just want to hang out, that's cool. If you're watching The Traders and you're not finished and you don't want spoilers, like if you don't already know who wins, um, get out of here. Um, there won't be anything else important after this, just like a goodbye. So it was good to see you, but this is going to be spoilers. So going to let you guys log off. All right. The Traders on Peacock. Sari, God, so I love Sari. I watched Survivor growing up with my mom. So like I have loved Sari every season. She's been on the the, the Black Widow Brigade, the Witch Coven on Survivor, um, the, the move with Eric getting him to give up immunity. She's like the best player that's never won Survivor. And I've always said that like She's done so well in Survivor despite not being like the most athletic. And I only say that because all the other people on Survivor put like put such a fucking emphasis on it. But, you know, that is just a testament to her social game and her ability to read people and play people. Because in a game where people constantly would count her out on Survivor because she didn't look athletic, like that almost always bit people in the ass. I think only one season they ever got rid of her early, which was smart. It was smart to do because if you let Sari play the game, she's going to play the game. So thrilled to see her win. Long overdue. The moment I saw her on Traders and I got a vibe for the show, I was like, I just know she can do this. Like, this is all the things that are good about Survivor with none of the like, you didn't win enough competitions bullshit that they do. You know what I mean? So to see her win, astounding. Um, to watch her outsmart Ari, fantastic. Ari just standing there being like, uh, 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 uh. the way also, like the way she speaks in code, the way she was saying in front of the other two people she was blindsiding to Ari, the way she basically said, I don't think you deserve the money because you weren't a traitor from the beginning like me. The way she's able to speak directly to certain people while everyone is watching and only those people can pick up on it. It truly is the way your mom can look at you and be like, you're in trouble. Um, and Sari, she's also like real. She's a real cool person. She's an open person. She builds real bonds. And it's like the perfect mix. Like because she is such a real person and she's so trustworthy, she can stab you right in the back. And I think this game was just built for her. I loved this this reality show. I loved the vibe. I loved the host. Um, I would watch this again. I think they need to get some people from the challenge on there. Get Wes and Johnny Bananas on there. Are you kidding me? Get get some of the old challenge people on there. Get some of the Netflix dating show people on there. Um, I thought it was a great show. I loved Kate and Brandy. Get, get Bring... <laughs> I don't think Kate will come back, but if you bring her back again and actually make her a traitor, that would be so fucking funny. Um, but yeah, I was I was a big fan of traitors. It was so nice to finally see Sari win. She has provided a lot of incredible 
entertainment and reality TV. And it's just so nice to finally see her take home some cash. Um, so yeah, what else am I into right now? Um, rewatching Law and Order. If you have Peacock, I swear to God, I'm not sponsored by Peacock. I wish that'd be dope. Um, I just actually really enjoy it. I was really surprised. I really didn't want to spend money on it because I'm like, not another fucking streaming service. This is cable. But I actually watch Peacock more than I watch Hulu now. So Peacock has all of the old Law and Order, Criminal Intent, and SVU. So if you need a background show to just watch while you fold laundry or do whatever, or you're just like needing something new to binge, that is my recommendation for sure. And finally, are we watching The Bachelor? Girlies, let me know. Are we are we watching The Bachelor collectively? I don't know how I feel about The Bachelor. I think Zach is probably like serious about finding a wife. I also feel he is like woefully ill-equipped to have 20 women after him. You know how some bachelors get on there and they like have sisters or like they just like they're players, so they know when people are playing games, and so there's not so much drama because they can, like, sniff out the BS. And then you have, like, the pilot Pete's who are like, she said you were mad at her. I don't want to be in the middle of it. Zach feels more like a doesn't understand what he's getting himself into. He's also a little boring, which, again, I think gives us a better chance of him finding someone, but it's like, do we care? Girls, do we care as a collective? How do we feel about The Bachelor right now? I'll tell you how I feel. I'm going to try to watch it. Get in my comments. Let me know. Are you guys watching it? Are you guys liking it? How are we feeling? I will say this. Real Housewives? Woof. I don't know how I'm feeling about Real Housewives anymore. The Jen Shaw of it all was like incredible to watch in real time. But now that she's gone, I'm like, what next? What happens now? Like she's doing time. She's going away for like seven years. Um, That's crazy. But then, like, I don't know, they're rebooting New York. They're cleaning out Beverly Hills. But, like, I don't know if I care anymore. I just feel like Housewives used to be good because it was, like, a peek behind the curtain of how the rich lived. And that was, like, so cool in a pre-social media age because, one, these girls weren't, like, worried about getting canceled. And they would just, like, go crazy you actually got like the real raw authentic them and now it's like everyone's got a product or a business or blah 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 blah. and then everyone's like very shady but like no drama it's all very like speaking between the lines and I'll say this when I say housewives is over I'm not talking about Potomac because the editors on Potomac are crushing it and the girls are bringing it they are really bringing the storylines and like they're not afraid to call each other out I'm also really excited about New Jersey. I think New Jersey will always be good because it's the family stuff. And so like that shit runs deep. But I don't know. The other franchises, how are we feeling? I'm going to finish Salt Lake City. I'm going to give season four a chance if they do it. But we will see. We'll see how I'm feeling about all of that after the Salt Lake City reunion. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yep. I think that's it. I think we're done. If you're still here, what are you doing? Go home. The street lights are on. No. Um, thanks, guys, for always tuning into the podcast, for always just listening to me. I'm literally just sitting here talking to myself, so I, I'm glad you guys enjoy it. And as always, like, feel free to jump in my comments on TikTok. Feel free to 
um, at me on Twitter if there's a topic you want to hear about. Um, I just kind of do these week by week. So I'm really open to hearing what you guys want to hear next. And the next couple ones will be cool, especially as we're coming up on Valentine's Day and March. A lot to talk about. So as always, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, stay sexy stargazers.